Hello and welcome to episode 19 of the Lab I-68 podcast. This podcast is for women of faith who want to get their restless behinds out of the pews and into the battlefield for the kingdom of God. We are here to equip and encourage you to put your faith into action in every area of your life and to claim the name of Kingdom Builder. My name is Leah and I'm joining you in the messy middle of a surrendered faith. motherhood. Am I right? As we mentioned a few weeks ago with Char on the podcast, it is a tough role to be in in the absolute best of circumstances. My guest today walks through motherhood with another layer added on, ADHD. She talks openly about her struggles that brings with it some added difficulty to parenting and just doing life in general with this diagnosis and with her life experience. And while your experience could be different, I think it is key to remember that while our battles may look different, we are all still fighting our own battles. In motherhood, in marriage, career, or just life in general, that is just the broken world that we live in. So my guest today helps disorganized moms get their it together one step at a time and feel confident running their family life. After years of serial entrepreneurship and teaching high school and middle school, she has a uniquely practical perspective on strategies for building a life that works when your brain is just different. It is her hope that the Motherhood in ADHD podcast is a lighthouse for moms who have ADHD. An introverted Midwesterner at heart, Patricia has adopted the word y'all and resides in Houston, Texas, along with her two young boys and extroverted non-ADHD husband. Please welcome my lovely guest, Patricia Sun. This month is ADHD Awareness Month, and so it is so appropriate that we have Patricia on the show. And as she mentions, our stereotype of this diagnosis is often of young boys, but she says that it is so much more common than what you think. So while you may not have ADHD yourself, you are going to encounter people who have it, and knowing a little bit more about how it works may just lead to more opportunities to love and support them even better. We also talk beyond just ADHD and tap into the importance of vulnerability in a community and how Jesus just loves the outcasts. I think you're going to be really surprised at some of her really powerful takeaways. Before we go into the episode, I want to just take a moment to thank everyone who has been faithfully following along with the podcast since we launched in June. It has truly been a growing experience for me personally, and I have been learning a lot. We really want to keep this ministry going, bring on more amazing guests, and keep encouraging and equipping our listeners to participate in God's kingdom. And we would love your help in doing this. The number one thing that you can do for free is rate and review the podcast. Share it with your people. So that would mean subscribing on Apple, writing a review on Apple Podcasts, giving us a five-star rating if you think we deserve that, and sharing this with other people. Word of mouth is so, so important in podcasting, and um, we just really believe in what we're doing. And so we want to continue to pass it on to others, and we would just love your help in doing that. Please tag us, tag me at leah.rempel on Instagram, and I would love to see what you're learning and how you're sharing the show. Okay, let's jump in the episode with my guest, Patricia Sun. Welcome, Patricia, to Lab I-68. It is a pleasure having you here, and I would just love if you would start us off with what are some of your current roles right now and where are you recording from? 
Hi, I'm Patricia Sung, and I am the host of the Motherhood in ADHD podcast. So I have a heart for moms who have ADHD themselves um, because we are an underserved and underdiagnosed population for sure. Um, I think that stems from my background in education. I was a former, or I am a former middle school teacher and a serial entrepreneur. And this all just kind of came together into what I'm doing now, which is helping disorganized moms get their crap together (laughs) one step at a time yeah, so that they can feel confident running their home life. And let's see, I'm recording from Houston, Texas. I am an Ohio girl, but Mm -hmm. I've been here for 15 years now. um, And my husband was born and raised here. So I don't think we're going anywhere anytime soon. We've been married for 10 years and we have two boys. They're three and five. That's awesome. That sounds lovely. All right. So we're going to talk a lot about ADHD and your experience with it, but I like to make sure everybody is on the same page. So if you could give us just a little bit of a brief definition of ADHD and ADD and what's the difference and just so where they're all on the same page. I would say, I don't know if I can be super brief because it is (laughs) complicated and there's a lot of stereotypes out there. It's one of the things that I really try to do with my podcast and educating people is letting them know what is true and what mm-hmm. is, unfortunately, I would say, I'm trying to find a nice word for it, but basically what are lies or fear or all of the negativity that creates and breeds incorrect information, especially on yeah. the internet. Yeah. So starting at the beginning, ADHD is, um, it stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder, and it is a medical condition. It's a neurological disorder. So someone with ADHD has a structurally different brain. Mm -hmm. There are marked differences in brain development and brain activity. And since we just don't go around, you know, scanning people's brains all the time, you aren't going to see that from the outside. So what you will see on the outside is a pattern of inattention or hyperactivity or impulsivity that is interfering with basic functioning or their development. And I always equate ADHD to like a tomato sauce recipe. If you ask an Italian grandma how it should be made, it's always a little bit different depending on who you ask. So everyone's ADHD looks a little bit different, but you still have the basics there. Just like tomato sauce has tomatoes. Mm -hmm. You'll see that, you know, a race car brain with bicycle brakes, you'll see that in everyone, but all the other pieces are slightly different. So where you'll see these differences is in every aspect of the person's life. It will be at home and at school and at work and in relationships. It will affect in different ways in different situations, but it's pervasive. It's not only in one situation. Mm -hmm. And to go back to your question too about what's the difference, there's two different types, inattentive and hyperactive. And there's also then a third, which combines the two together, combined type, which has both. And I'm the inattentive type. So that's harder to see from the outside. Mm -hmm. It's easier to see the hyperactivity because it is in your face. Mm -hmm. But I always say that even though I'm not hyperactive on the outside, my brain is hyperactive on the inside. So you'll still see those elements of hyperactivity and impulsivity in someone who's inattentive. It just shows up in a different manner. Sure. I always talk about executive function when it comes to ADHD because executive function is the CEO of your brain. It runs all of the pieces together. And I love Dr. Brown's orchestra analogy. He says, executive function is the conductor and he's 
you know, waving all the parts together of like, okay, I need a little more drum. Okay. You cello quiet down. Mm-hmm. You're when you're having issues with your executive function, your drummer might be great by himself and your cellist might be great by themselves, but when you put them together, they're out of sync and they're not playing together. Well, it's, you get this awful rhythm or the harmonies are off and it's mm-hmm. the, the big picture where things don't make sense. It's inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Why can somebody be so good at this, but yet so terrible at that? Mm-hmm. You see that inconsistency show up. And that's where it becomes frustrating for the people around them because they think, well, if you could do this, why can't you do that? Right. So in a more tangible way, how do we see that? Because that's more like theory stuff. Mm-hmm. Tangibly, you'll see if someone with ADHD has delayed maturity. They just aren't quite as far along as people of the same age. Mm-hmm. You'll see that they don't get stuff done. Um, they have issues managing their money. They have issues with emotional regulation. So you feel like their emotions change quickly and they don't seem to match the situation. Like, why are you so upset about this thing that seems small? Mm-hmm. They're not good at planning or organizing. We often have time blindness where we just don't realize the passage of time. It's almost like we have no sense of time like people don't have a sense of direction. Like there's some people that just can't understand north, south, east, west. Right, right. We have that with time. We don't feel the passage of time. Like if you said, okay, just sit here for a minute and think. And then when it's been a minute, tell me it's been a minute. We're going to tell you at 75 seconds, not at 60 seconds. We don't have Mm -hmm. that almost like an inner clock that tells us how long things are going. And that's in the short term, but also in the long term of planning forward. So that's why a lot of times people with ADHD have really bad money management because we're not thinking about the future goal of retiring or buying a house. We're really just in the now. Yeah. And then having trouble reading social cues or someone who's really fidgety, it's literally pervasive in every single part of your life. Mm -hmm. And that's why it is um, obviously so much a struggle to have ADHD, but also so much of a struggle if you love someone with ADHD. Because you're dealing with the ripple effect of that inconsistency. Wow. Well, that's seriously very valuable. I know that there's some, like even some teachers that are listening that are like, (laughs) okay, that's super helpful or understanding um, a little bit more of, you know, the people that we love in our lives. And so thank you for that. But I would also love for you to touch on some of the common misconceptions about ADHD, because like you said at the beginning, there are maybe some poorly painted pictures of what it looks like and feels like. And so- Can you just point out some of those and maybe correct them? (laughs) Um, I mean, the most obvious one is always that people with ADHD are always five-year-old boys who are bouncing off the wall and driving everyone bonkers. Mm -hmm. And it is not just that subset of people that have ADHD. It is not just a childhood issue. A lot of times it is seen in childhood because of the hyperactivity it's in your face. We see it. What we don't see are the inattentive people who are probably written off as space cadets, or they always have their nose in a book, or are just kind of a little bit strange. Those same people also can be ADHDers. Mm -hmm. But because they're not irritating everyone else, Mm. they can fly under the radar. Whereas obviously, you know, when you have that kid who's hanging off the doorframe at his grandma's house, everyone's looking at him like, okay, that kid has a problem, mm-hmm. not mm-hmm. the one that's flying under the radar. Right. You also have the issue where a lot of people think it's just a childhood issue and it's not an adult issue. And we're seeing now 
so many women are being diagnosed in their 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s -hmm. because they've flown under the radar their entire life and they figured out how to cope and how to deal and how to get around Mm -hmm. life. And so many times moms will get diagnosed after their child has it because they start investigating once their child is being diagnosed. They're like, oh, well, I know where that came from. Sure, yeah. (laughs) And ADHD is prevalent. And depending on who you ask and what study, Mm -hmm. somewhere between five and 10% of the population, but that is in every country, in every ethnicity, in every culture, every gender, every age, every intelligence level, ADHD is not biased based on who you are or where you came from or any of your other data. Mm -hmm. It's there everywhere. And we just don't see it as being everywhere because when you have ADHD, you hide it. You're doing your best to put on your happy face, put on your mask and pretend like everything's fine because on the inside you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is a total disaster inside my brain. Mm -hmm. And yet everyone's expecting me to fit these molds that I can't do. But you learn as, especially as a child, you learn to put on the costume that the other people are asking you to do when on the inside you're panicking and stressed and overwhelmed. And I'm sure I'll get on this tangent later because it's (laughs) a, an important one (laughs) to me. Um, But that when you've spent your whole life hiding that and thinking you have to fit what people are expecting of you, well, you're not, even if you get a diagnosis, you're not going to come out and be like, hey, look at me. I got this new problem. Let me tell you about it. No, you're like, hey, I've just spent 40 years hiding this problem. I don't want to put it out in front of the world. That sounds like crazy talk. Who would want to do that? Right. Obviously me, because I have a podcast, but (laughs) that's one other story. Yeah. (laughs) And I think that the other misconception is that pattern of inconsistency is that people see, well, if you can hyper-focus and you can sit there and play video games for seven hours Mm -hmm. and be so into that, why can't you apply that same level of focus to fill in the blank of whatever is going on in your life? Mm -hmm. Um, Homework or school or a relationship or housework Why can't you just replicate that? And that's truly where one of those red flags of ADHD is when someone's so inconsistent like that. Mm -hmm. That's one of the times we're like, ooh, that that doesn't make sense. Right. That's where that issue is, where it's easy to hyper-focus on something that's really fun Mm -hmm. or really enjoyable or really gets your, you know, all of your brain chemicals going of trying to solve this puzzle. That's, that's fun. That's interesting. That's exciting. But when I got to go sort out laundry, that's not interesting. I don't want to do that, mm-hmm. but it's not just a want. It's that my brain is wired differently and I need some different support in order to get that task done. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So let's go to your diagnosis. How did you know to check into that? Like, how did you know that you were struggling with ADHD? So I was diagnosed at 20. Again, I have the inattentive type, which means I flew under the radar my entire school career. I did really well in school. Thankfully, I'm a smart cookie. Mm -hmm. I figured out how to compensate for where I struggled. And Mm -hmm. that is very common for people with ADHD when they're, it's called 2E, it's called twice exceptional. People who have some kind of deficiency like ADHD or autism spectrum disorder, where they have some kind of big deficit, but then they also have this like gifted level of talent somewhere else. So 
you know, it looks really cool in the movies when you have, you know, the autistic boy who can play crazy piano pieces by ear. Mm-hmm. But there's so many ways that you see that 2E. And one of them quite often is women who are inattentive and pretty intelligent. They manage to make it through their whole school career with no one any wiser to the issue because they figured out how to make it work for them. They figured out how to color code their notebooks or they stayed up till 3 a.m. studying, trying to accumulate the information that just seems so easy for everyone else. Mm -hmm. So here we are. I get to college and literally like the doo-doo hits the fan. It was a hot mess express. I almost failed out of school. I was depressed. I had a whole bunch of issues going on. And I was at the student health center bawling my eyes out to my doctor thinking, I think there's something wrong with me. Mm. Like I thought it was like a physical health thing. I was like, something's wrong with me. I can't keep up with all this stuff. I think there's something wrong. And thankfully she recognized the pattern And knew what it was and, you know, got me over to the student services center and I was able to get an official diagnosis and super hand of God. There was a graduate student there who was working on her graduate thesis and I got to hop right into her as one of her like test subjects. So I got this full battery of testing. She really took the time to get to know me. Yeah. And then connected me with some other students. There was one law student in particular, and this wonderful woman took me under her wing and helped me figure out how do you study? Mm -hmm. Because so far I had just gotten by with being able to pick it up on my own and following the instructions. And then you get to college and that structure wasn't there for me anymore. Mm -hmm. And then going forward, I had, you know, fumbled around and I figured out how to make things work for me. But then when I became a mom and now I'm not just juggling myself and, you know, a little bit of stuff for my husband, now I'm trying to juggle multiple people. It was a mess again. And so I have spent the last six years really diving into like the deep inner work of spending time with God, doing therapy healing, learning how I can deal with these things in a healthy way. Yeah. So now I can turn around and put my hand out and say to other moms, okay, I don't have it all figured out, but I got some of it figured out. Let me help you. Like grab my hand. Let's go. Like I'm going to pull you up too. And then we'll take the next step. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's so good. Okay. So let, let's, I want to talk about how this affects your day-to-day life in particular in areas of motherhood. Because I know that's kind of where your focus is. And, you know, motherhood is hard enough as it is. (laughs) So (laughs) how does it affect your day-to-day? It is literally in every moment of every day, every task, there is no part of my life that is not touched by ADHD. Mm -hmm. Like you said, I mean, motherhood is hard enough, but then you throw in just the poor executive functioning and you can't juggle this many things at one time, what do you do? Mm -hmm. And, oh, it was so bad. (laughs) It was so bad (laughs) at the beginning. Uh, Thankfully, I, you know, I pulled it together, but you see it in tiny things like, why can't I find that permission slip? I swear I just had it. Did I already turn it in? Where did it go? Is it in this folder still? How is it under the couch? To things like trying to keep up with all the annual doctor checkups and all the information that comes home from school. I mean, having been a teacher as well, like just the sheer number of papers that come home is crazy. Plus, you've got stuff (laughs) on the internet and emails. And it's all those tiny things add up 
to big things. But then you also have big things like, how do I stay consistent with my discipline? You know, something happens and my son makes a poor choice and I forget that, oh, well, I said last time that I would do this if you did that. And you don't even remember that you said that there was that consequence. Well, your kid's not going to take you seriously if you're not staying Sure. Yeah. On top of it and doing what you said you were going to do. Um, things like just being emotionally strong. Mm-hmm. A lot of people with ADHD have maybe not necessarily a sensory processing disorder, but definitely a sensory sensitivity, if you will, where all of that noise that's going on all day, the noise of the kids, TV, question number 472, it's just overload, information overload, and trying to parse through all of that and say what's actually important. Because right. in an ADHD brain, we have issues prioritizing. So everything feels important. Everything is loud. Mm-hmm. I can hear the sink dripping from 100 miles away. And yet, you know, my husband will stand three feet from me and talk to me. And because he's, I'm like in the middle of something, I won't even hear him. Mm-hmm. So that information all comes in at kind of the same volume and priority. So we have to learn how to sift through that and prioritize what is truly important in this moment. You see it in being connected with your kids. If you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, it's hard to be connected with your kids and hear them and listen to them. And I see it in my boys' faces when I start thinking about something and I get stuck in my head, like ruminating. And then I realize they've been talking to me and telling me a story for the past who knows how long. I don't know. I I, I didn't catch it all. And you see the disappointment in their face of like, why aren't you listening to me? Why don't you hear what I'm saying? And I have to have quite a humbleness to say, oh, I'm sorry. I wasn't trying to ignore you. I started thinking about something. Please tell me again. And balance that, um, the wounds that you can create that you, you didn't even realize you were doing it. So it wasn't an intentional, I'm ignoring you right now. Yeah. It's hard to feel like you're being a good mom when your brain is on overdrive all the time. Totally. Totally. It's, <laughs> I mean, like I said, I think most women or most moms would be like, it's hard enough feeling like a good mom, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, even without any diagnosis or with you just having kind right. of just the rhythm of motherhood is difficult. And so, mm-hmm. yeah, I can imagine that would be, there would definitely be some added challenges there. So where do you find your strength and how do you stay grounded through all of that then? I am so thankful for God's steadfast love and even just being steadfast, period. I mean, he's just so there all the time. Whenever you need him, he is there. Even when he feels far away, he's there. He has shaped my heart so much in the past almost six years since I became a mom. And I have learned to lean in to how much he knows me, how deeply he knows who I am inside and out. And whatever shame I'm feeling, he already knows about that broken place inside of me. And that shame is not from him. He made me this way. He gave me this brain. He knows every hair on my head. And I can be proud of how he made me different because in this struggle, I can help so many more moms. But then that ripple effect of being able to improve their family, their relationship with their spouse, their kids, and that I love that the continuing ripple effect of 
when I love on a mom, she is the leader of that family that I am then loving on that entire family. Mm -hmm. I mean, this podcast was all his idea. When he put that on my heart, I literally stopped and was like, Lord, you have lost your ever loving mind. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to be kidding me. This is no, 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 no. I mean, it was a hard no. And he did not let it go. He just kept Mm. pushing pushing it. I'm thinking, Lord, I'm an introvert. Yeah. I don't even like asking for help, let alone sharing my problems on the internet. Mm -hmm. I have known about my diagnosis for over 15 years at the point that I started the podcast. And I've spent 15 years trying to cover this up and keep up with everybody else. And now you want me to put it on the internet. Yeah. Like, what? (laughs) So, I mean, overall, like it is such a God thing. There's no way I ever would have done this without him. And my goal is always to create connection because there are so many moms out there who are overwhelmed and they are embarrassed at the state of their home and how they talked to their kid yesterday. All of that is weighing on them and they feel alone. Because that's where the shame comes in is they're so afraid to say something's wrong because then someone's going to see all the doo-doo in their closet. Right. They don't reach out for help. And I, I want to be that lighthouse to say like, it is okay. You are not the only person like this and you are mm-hmm. not broken. You're not alone. And there is hope. You can make changes to make your life feel better, to feel confident in how you care for your family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I, I'm really thankful that God has asked you to step into that because, I mean, it's such a unique ministry. And I think that's just so cool that you're able to kind of be the, you know, be a face for it or be an encouragement and from somebody that is, you know, in the trenches with them. That's really, really powerful. Thank you. I was, that's actually very good to hear because there's always this inner struggle of, you know, when you start a podcast, you're always out there talking about it. And all of a sudden you feel like, am I trying to be this like cool YouTube you know, right. influencer person. Yeah. Like, no, I'm almost 40. I don't need to be. <laughs> that is not my life goal. Yeah. But it's hard sometimes. You doubt yourself to think, am I really fulfilling what God has asked me to do? Or am I starting to make this about me? Yeah. It's, it's a hard balance. That's a really great point, Patricia, because I, I actually read a book. It's called Free of Me by Sharon Hottie Miller. Have you heard of that book? No, I've never heard of that. I'll have to look it up. It's really good, but it's basically her whole thing is like, we've just put so much emphasis on our own self-esteem and instead we need to kind of rid ourselves of it being about us and it need to make mm-hmm. it more about God. And I was really scared of that too. And in fact, when I read that book, I was in the process of writing a blog that was, you know, a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. And I actually stopped because I was like, okay, I think I, maybe I am making this about me. Like I don't, I really don't want that. So I stopped that. And then when I was going to do the podcast too, I had some, I had some reservations. I was nervous. Um, definitely having somebody with me this time and partnering with, with me to keep me accountable and to keep me humble. Accountability <laughs> okay, is one is, of the top notch skills of a successful person. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So it's definitely been a journey. And I think that is for a lot of women that are kind of afraid to step out, especially believers, like 
there is this idea of, yes, we want to like build this ministry or platform or whatever. And, you know, not to do it for that sake, but, but then you also don't want to make it about you. And it's such a balance of trying to find where am I being faithful? And, you know, am I being faithful or is this about me? It is a question I think that we always have to be asking ourselves when we are in ministry (laughs) doing this sort of thing. And I think the moment that you stop asking that question that's when you know, ooh, totally, we got a problem here. Because as long as you have kind of like checks and balances there where you're recalibrating, like, okay, God first, God first, you're never going to be perfect. That's not what God asks of us. But mm-hmm. when you're able to kind of like veer back center frequently, then you know that you'll stay with your eyes focused on him. It's when you stop asking the question, yeah, then, you, then you're probably in trouble. Absolutely. <laughs> So something that I love is that, you know, God asked you to step into this area of, you know, having this podcast and there was, you know, you would have seen a need for this kind of niche of motherhood and ADHD. And you have started creating a community of people who are really aching for a place to go and to feel understood and to feel like their experience was being addressed. And so I would love to know what does it mean to have a community of women who experience the same things as you do? So it's funny, you know, when I started this whole thing, I felt like God was telling me, you know, I want you to reach out to people. Mm -hmm. And yet I have gotten just as much out of it, if not more than other people are getting from me. Mm. I mean, I'm just philosophizing here, but yeah. I know that it has made such a difference to know that I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm not broken. Just because I do things differently Mm -hmm. doesn't mean it's wrong. And that's really a a hard concept, especially in the current times of Mm -hmm. being different is weird. And people shun that because they want to stay in the community. That's how they stay safe. I get that. Mm -hmm. but I can't run my life making decisions based on what other people think of me because Mm -hmm. I will never be happy. I will never find that inner peace if my filter is what everyone else thinks. My filter has to be, what did God ask of me? Am I doing right by my family and myself? Okay, then we can move forward. Mm -hmm. There is so much shame attached to ADHD Mm. especially with, um, there's a lot of, I hate the words called comorbidities. It's terrible word, but it's other disorders or issues that come along with ADHD. It's like ADHD has a lot of friends. And so it brings along things like depression and anxiety and dyslexia, eating disorders, addiction, the list goes on and on. There is so much shame in feeling like you're not in control, which is a lot of what ADHD is. And so people come up with their coping mechanisms to try to be quote unquote in control. Mm -hmm. And those go awry at some point. That's how you end up off track with addiction or you're so busy trying to make good choices that you head off the perfectionist cliff because you thought that was a good way to be more careful or make better choices, but the overcorrection goes so far over that you end up harming yourself. Mm-hmm. And then you have the shame of, well, now I know I'm harming myself with this other thing, but I still haven't fixed the first thing. And it's this horrible snowball effect. But when you shine the light, 
Satan has a whole lot less power over that. So when I open up and say, here's what I'm struggling with, then I'm not lonely. I'm taking away that power. Then I'm not trying to do all this by myself. I have support. So that's how you get help is by opening the door and letting people in. Mm -hmm. And I have had so many women come to me that I have known. I kid you not, people I've known for decades have come to me and said, thank you for speaking out. I have ADHD too. And I kid you not, I mean, I know a lot about ADHD and some of these people I never would have guessed. Really? They cover it up so well. They have done a really bang up job of fitting the mold of what they thought other people expected of them. And if I hadn't spoken up first, they never would have said anything to me. Right. So there has to be that element of vulnerability to say, hey, I'm broken over here, me broken, you know, just letting y'all know. And then people will open up and say, oh, me too. And that's how you build that connection. And that's how you make a difference. And that's how you help people and grow is being willing to, to open up that door and show the internet (laughs) all your problems or in real life, uh, you know, being willing to say to a friend, Hey, I'm really struggling with this. Mm -hmm. Can I talk to you about it? Definitely. I don't know who said it, where this is from, but like vulnerability breeds vulnerability. Mm -hmm. I've heard that too. And I don't remember who said it either, but it's a good one. Yeah. But I, I've often thought of that in like small group settings or like Bible studies or whatever that I'm a part of. It's like, well, I guess I'll go first and and hopefully everyone else feels more permission to say what's, you know, what they're going through or what they have gone through. And, and really vulnerability, I think does create a really beautiful community. It's part of, you know, a foundation of a good community, I think. So, so I'm wondering like, how can somebody who maybe isn't, doesn't have the same circumstances as you, but they're wondering how they can create community with their own unique experiences or perspectives what would be some of the advice that you would want to give them? I think along those same lines of being vulnerable, you, we all are not the exact same person. My struggle may not be your struggle. Mm-hmm. But if you're willing to say, I have a struggle, then another person is more likely to say, oh, hey, me too. There's not a single person on this earth that doesn't have a struggle or something that they're frustrated with or ashamed of or fearful of. We all have these hard things. Yeah. So we have to be willing to step out and be scared and still do it anyway mm-hmm. and say, Hey, I'm not perfect. Yeah. And then everyone else is willing to jump in and say, Hey, me too. It doesn't, we don't have to have the same struggle in order to build connection because we can reflect on what we've overcome and our experiences. And even if we don't have the right advice, exactly. Mm-hmm we can still identify with what it's like to struggle as a human. Mm -hmm. Totally. Let's get really practical because I like asking this question of people just because I think, you know, we are all part of, if we're believers, we're part of the body of Christ. We're part of his church and we want church to be a more accommodating, a more welcoming place. And so I'm wondering for you, um, how can we as a church better accommodate for people who have these types of diagnoses like ADHD? One is being flexible, being willing to create space 
for messiness. Mm. Maybe in your children's ministry that it's okay that that one kid is sprawled on the floor coloring when everyone else is sitting at a table. Right. What can we do that is flexible, but not a strain per se? Like not to say that it has to be all comfortable, but really does it matter if somebody's laying on the floor coloring? Yeah. I mean, assuming your floor's not covered in radioactive goo, go ahead and put the kid color on the floor. Yeah. Are, when we say all are welcome, are all really welcome? And this, yeah. I mean, that goes for anybody who's different. Are you willing to be flexible and change things a little bit to make those people feel welcome? Right. Also, um, education, just there's so much information out there that is incorrect about ADHD. It kills me. I mean, if you mm. want to Google... ADHD and fruit roll-ups, you can find an article that says eating too many fruit roll-ups causes ADHD. I mean, there's some kooky stuff out there. Anybody with $12 can buy an internet domain and publish information. So sharing true, valid, scientific information so that people aren't afraid of it. I think a lot of times when we don't understand something, we are scared. So if we understand it a little better, we don't have to understand it perfectly or understand it as if we have it. But if we have a little more information, then it's not as scary and we can make it more relatable and know what it is that would actually be more valuable to that person. And just ask the person, hey, like, what what do you need to learn about God well? Mm-hmm. It could be something really simple as, you know, if you're in a Bible study group, if someone would highlight the key points for you. And like, you could look it over ahead of time or have a, like an accountability partner that checks in with you every night at 8 PM. Hey, did you read the verse for today? Mm-hmm. There's so many little things we could do that really aren't a huge inconvenience Yeah, and make that person feel more welcome. And totally. then once you're doing those little things, taking a bigger step doesn't feel so uncomfortable if you have to do something that's a little more uh, toothsome to help somebody out because you're used to making those little adjustments. Yeah. And then I would say too, I mean, obviously my ministry is moms who have ADHD themselves, but there are so many parents out there who are caring for kids with ADHD and they are just exhausted. Yeah. They are doing their best to give their child the best. And it is so exhausting to want to do what's best for your child and not really understand fully what that looks like. Mm -hmm. So if there's any way that you could help them offer to drop off dinner so that they don't have to cook after work that night and they can help their kid with their homework instead of cooking. I mean, there's so many little ways if you're willing to like take their kid to the park for an hour and they can run around while, you know, their mom takes a nap. Yeah. Yeah. There is a, 50 to 70% chance that your child will have ADHD if one of the parents has it. Hmm. So it's not hereditary, but it is genetically linked. Mm -hmm. And if that child is a hot mess, chances are one of their parents is a hot mess. So can you serve them well? Can you throw them a life preserver and say, here, I will help you a little bit in this way to give you a break? Yeah, totally. I mean, I feel like we just can't assume, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, just, just asking good questions and how can we serve one another better? I think that's good. 
Um, I'm wondering, because we all have different experiences, we get to know God in a different way. So I would love to know what you know about God because of your diagnosis. What is something that you know that I might not know because of your diagnosis? Um, If you go back through the Bible for thousands of years, people who are different have been shunned. Mm -hmm. The lepers, the bleeding woman, the prostitutes, the people who are victims of their situation. I mean, they're in there page after page after page. So brokenness and not treating people well has been around for a long time, Mm -hmm. as well as avoiding the people who are broken so that you're not somehow, you know, tainted by their disaster or their disease or mm-hmm. whatever's wrong with them that somehow you you won't catch it. Yeah. Quote, or just be uncomfortable, which is right. silly, but yeah. <laughs> so this is nothing new. Mm-hmm. So understanding that that is a pattern that exists in people because people are broken. I get that. I truly appreciate the deep love that Jesus had for spending time with the outcasts and loving on them and making room for them at the table and sitting at their table and being willing to go to the tax collector's house when everyone else hated that person so much as a disgrace to their community. But yet he was willing to go to Zacchaeus' table and say, I'm coming to your house. Mm -hmm. I'm eating dinner with you. He came to serve not the people who were doing well, he came to serve the people who needed him. Not mm-hmm. to say that he's not going to help the other people out, but you know, stay with me. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I wish people would see that mm-hmm. and be willing to spend time with the people that are different from them and be willing to be like Jesus in that way, to step out of your comfort zone and say, I'm willing to have you at my table or go to that person's house and be at their table and be uncomfortable Yeah, to experience that. And I try to channel Jesus's um, outspoken, but still kind way of teaching mm-hmm. to the people who are in power and have the loudest voices. How can I lovingly reprimand someone who is spreading poor information? Right. On the end. That is a hard question for me because my reaction is, what is wrong with you? Yeah. <laughs> that yeah. is not going to change hearts or minds. So trying to discern how to love on those people who, who grate on me as well. Yeah. I've also had to come to terms with knowing that being willing to speak out about how I am different means I'm going to catch some flack. Mm -hmm. And some people aren't going to like me and some people are going to distance from that, but I will be okay. Yeah. It will hurt my feelings, but I'll be okay. But also everybody has their own version of leprosy. Right. Some are just easier to hide. Yeah. Some of us don't have giant gaping wounds on our face, so it's easier to hide those problems. So he doesn't ask us to be perfect, but he does ask us to follow him always. Mm-hmm. I have to keep making steps in faith and doing it scared because I know that he's asked this of me and he is with me and I will make it through even if I come out the other side pretty battered and bruised. As long as I fulfilled what he asked of me, then I'll be all right. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's good. That's so good. 
All right. So I know that there's probably somebody on here listening who just does feel like a little bit different. Maybe they don't have a diagnosis yet, but they're just like, there's just something like, I just feel like I'm wired just a little bit differently than other people. What kind of encouragement would you like to leave them with as we end our conversation? I think it's really important for you to learn who you are. Mm. If you feel like something is a little bit different than others, I will never tell you, you have to have a diagnosis, right? That's not, you might not need that official piece of paper, but you do need to know who you are in order to live true to yourself and also find solutions that work well for you. If you're trying to build a treehouse and you have a birdhouse kit, you're going to be pretty frustrated that mm-hmm. you can't seem to figure out how to get this treehouse together. And vice right. versa, if you're trying to build a birdhouse and you got a treehouse kit, you know, you, the birds aren't coming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you have to know what you're working with in order to figure out how to be successful. So it's not about putting a label on it. Although, you know, for some people that is necessary. Like if you have a child in school, they need that diagnosis to get the help they need in school. That is a mm-hmm. very valid and useful tool. But if you feel as an adult, you just want to know, and that will give you peace, go talk to a doctor, find out what you need to know for you. But it doesn't have to be that official route. It can be listening to quality podcasts or books by really great doctors who have studied ADHD well, or whatever you know thing that you think it is that's different about you is learn about it. You can be so much more successful when you understand who you are and what your needs are. Mm-hmm. And then take care of yourself. Put on your oxygen mask first. If you're not taking care of yourself, there's only so much you can do for other people. You can't do as much if you can't breathe. So you have to take care of yourself and figure out how to recharge your batteries and then get support. If you don't have that through friends or family, then find a support group or a group on even Facebook. You can find people who have similar things with you and you can connect and feel in part of that community where you're not alone. Find yourself a coach or a therapist or a doctor. Find some way to get support so that you're not trying to figure this out all by yourself. Totally. That support is just so, so important. Well, thank you, Patricia, for giving us just a little peek into uh, what you go through on a day-to-day basis. And I really think it's going to be helpful. And I think a lot of the points that you made don't just apply to people that have ADHD, but it applies to so many of us where we can live from the messy middle. I think that's just really important for people to know that we don't have to have it all together. We don't have to have this perfect, you know, veneer or anything, mm-hmm. but that we can just be vulnerable. And and like you said, all of us have different struggles. All of us have our leprosy, like, like you said. <laughs> and so, yeah, I'm just uh, really grateful for this conversation. And as we wrap up, Um, There's three questions that I'd like to ask. And the first one is, what are some resources that you have found particularly helpful in the work that you're doing in motherhood and ADHD? So I do have a free download on my website of all my favorite resources. So if you're Mm. listening, you don't have to write them all down. You can go over to my website. (laughs) We'll link it. You don't have to memorize them all. Um, It's patriciasung.com forward slash resources. And I've tailored that list specifically to moms with ADHD. So a lot of them are by moms with ADHD or Hmm. very good experts that I have vetted. I trust them. Yeah. But um, from just off the top of my head, um, I would say my favorite three doctors that I like to read their work are Dr. Ned Hollowell, Dr. Russell Barkley, and Dr. Thomas Brown. 
Mm. Um, if you're struggling with like keeping your house up, I love the fly lady. Mm. I think it's flylady.net on just like ways to keep your household running. Yeah. I'm a diehard Marie Kondo fan. I have got rid of so much stuff in my house (laughs) and it it truly is. If you have less stuff to keep up with, it's hard to organize a lot of clutter. So less stuff is, uh, you know, makes a happier make a big difference. Yeah. And then if you're struggling with parenting issues, I love um, the Love and Logic series. That's what I use when I was teaching and I use it with my boys now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I use it on my husband and he gives me a side eye. It's like, <laughs> don't give me that teacher mojo nonsense. <laughs> I realizes I'm starting to use my teacher magic. Yeah. Um, and I also have found just recently on Instagram, this lady is called Dr. Becky at home. And she has a website as well. I just adore the way that she explains how kids' minds work and what their true intent is when they're acting like a nutcase or throwing a tantrum or saying, I hate you. Mm-hmm. She boils it down to like, here's the actual problem. It's not the angry words of I hate you. Here's yeah. what their problem is. And so deal with that root. If you start focusing on the angry words that come out of them, you're, you're getting sidetracked. That's not the problem. And you're totally. getting off on a tangent. You know, she really boils it down. So I love um, what she's doing. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll be linking a lot of that. That's, that's fantastic. I am currently, I feel like I'm going through my home. I just read through The Cozy Minimalist by um, Michaelin Smith. Uh-huh. And uh, I've just been picking up so many different things about um, narrowing it down a little bit to what's in our house, but she doesn't really like the idea of it being really like stark. So anyway, I really enjoyed that book. I actually linked that on my one of my last emails because I have been enjoying just looking through different home stuff lately. I don't know. For yes. some reason, I'm on a kick. <laughs> the, I think, you know, minimalism has a really bad uh, rap, but to me, the way that I kind of rationalize it in my brain is that you're making room for the things that you love so that you see them every day. They're prominent. You get to use them and it's not covered up by a bunch of junk you don't need or don't like. Exactly. So good. Highly recommend. (laughs) All right. Second question is, what is a spiritual discipline or practice that has been really life-giving to you lately? So for moms of littles, it is really hard to find a sustainable Bible time. I mean, your schedule is never the same. And then once it is, and you're like, okay, I got this, then kids change changes, and you're off on another season. (laughs) So I have been doing New Morning Mercies by Paul David Tripp, and it's Mm. one page per day. And it is so hard to carve out that regular time, but it being just one page. And at the bottom, he has a like a for more on this, read this verse or chapter or section, whatever. So you can, if you have more time, you can go in depth on the topic. But if you don't, you got some scripture in your day. And it helps you set your mindset in a better place to go forward. So this is one of the examples I'm going to give of where it doesn't have to look like everybody else. And you're probably going to laugh at me. This might be TMI. But I read my devotional book every morning when I go to the bathroom. Like Hmm. I wake up, I always go to the bathroom and I read it then because it's only one page. It's only going to take me two to three minutes. But I go to the bathroom every time I wake up. So I know that that's going to happen. Yeah. So that's when I pair it. And I know some people are like, well, that's weird. Why, why are you telling people this? But <laughs> that's my point of like, you, you can't make your rhythms and habits and schedule and life look like somebody else's. It needs to fit you. Totally. So if I've got that two minutes of quiet, yeah. I'm going to put God in that first couple minutes because that sets my day on a different mindset. And I know 
which days I forget to do it because by bedtime I'm on the struggle bus. Yeah. So yeah. finding that little bit of where you can make it happen is more important than it being official and like getting out your toasty cup of coffee and your blanket and sitting for 30 minutes in prayer. Like that's not realistic when you're wrangling tiny people. Mm-hmm. It sounds glorious, yeah. but it is not realistic. <laughs> make it work for you in this season. It's This season is not forever. Yeah. It will change shortly. So just make it work until you can actually, you know, journal and be peaceful and do that thing <laughs> called quiet time that doesn't exist when you have yeah. tiny humans. Yeah, totally. Well, I think too, we kind of feel like, like you said, we have to have this really carved out peaceful time. But I mean, the everyday moments are just as holy or there's still room for invitation to invite God into everyday moments and whatever we're going through on the day. So yeah, sometimes that's just what you got to do. Yeah. You fit it in where you can, whether it's carpool drop off or waiting for your kids, you know, in a class or a lesson, like just squeeze it in where you can. It doesn't have to be fancy. Totally. Just get it done. Totally. All right. And last question, are there any resources that you would want to share with us and where can we find you online? I have several resources on my website. It's patriciasung.com forward slash resources. And for October, it's ADHD Awareness Month. So Mm -hmm. I have put together the Disorganized Mom's Guide to a Peaceful Morning. And it's a five super quick video series to make your mornings better. We're starting on October 22nd all together to kind of kick it off and go. But if you're behind that, like if you're listening to this in a few months, that's totally fine. You can go to the website and pick it up and join us and take those five steps to make your mornings more peaceful, less chaotic. I really want moms to know that their morning does not have to be defined by running around like a chicken with your head cut off, yelling at everybody to get in the car. Mm -hmm. There are improvements can be made even with um, your unpredictable children. It can be better. Totally. And then you can find me, obviously, at my website's patriciasung.com. And I'm on Instagram and Facebook at Motherhood in ADHD. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Patricia. I really appreciate this conversation. And I think that somebody's going to be listening and just feel more known. And I I really appreciate you stepping out in faith and coming to talk to us today. So thank you so much. Thanks for having me. I so enjoy sharing about ADHD. And it's wonderful when you can talk to somebody who is open and willing to hear Mm. the truth about it and not be intimidated by something that is built up as wrong or shameful or broken, distasteful, whatever it is. Like, it's just nice to talk to somebody about it. Who's like, all right, sure. Tell me about it. Let's listen. So I appreciate that level of openness that you're, you're holding that place for people who feel broken to feel welcome. So thank you. Thank you. As I mentioned to Patricia, I really believe in what she's doing. The community that she is forming to bring light and encouragement to a particular niche of people is just so cool, and I am so glad that God did not let up on her, telling her to begin this podcast. Also, the way she talked about Jesus and his love for the outcasts, I just think is really powerful, and they're going to be those that we have a more difficult time with, that are harder to understand, or who may just appear or act or function differently than us, but God still waits with arms wide open. And I just think it's so crucial that we also take this posture. 
thank you to Patricia for so many good reminders. And if you want to hit up her podcast, Motherhood and ADHD, or any of the resources she mentioned, please look in the show notes for all of those links as you can do with every other week. This week's Lab by 68 challenge is to reach out to someone who has a unique challenge that they are facing and to just encourage them because honestly, we could all use just a little pick me up. These challenges are made to be done in five minutes or less, and it's just to encourage you to take just that little step of faith. So we hope that if you are using them, that you would share it with us, send us a DM or an email or tag us with the hashtag labi68challenge, and we would love to just encourage you in taking those small steps. Next week, we are going to be talking to Ronnie Rock, who is a first-time author of the book One Woman Can Change the World. It's a beautiful book full of stories of everyday women showing everyday faithfulness. And I think you're really going to like the message that she has to share some of her thoughts on the Proverbs 31 women. It's good. It's really good. So subscribe to the podcast. You do not miss the episode. Have a wonderful week, everyone. And remember that you are a kingdom builder and your light is meant to be reflected into dark places. And together we are praying. Here I am, Lord. Send me. Have a great week, everyone.